Hi, this is Bennett Cyphers from EFF, and you're listening to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Carrie Parker, and today we have episode 223 for June 7th, 2021. Hope everybody had a fun Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. last week. I'm retired now, so <laughs> they're kind of all the same to me. Uh, you know, don't want to rub it in or anything, but you know, <laughs> I'm living the dream, man. I'm living the dream. Okay, so uh, today we have part two of our interview with Bennett Cyphers from the EFF. And we're going to wrap up our discussion of Google's new Flock, or Federated Learning of Cohorts technology, that is supposed to replace third-party cookies in supposedly a privacy-preserving way to track you. And if that sounds a bit oxymoronic, it's because it is. So we'll get to that in just a minute, and a couple of quick notes before we start. Uh, the Challenge Coin promotion is going well so far. It's uh, got still got some time to get a coin, though, if you want it. I'm going to run this through the end of June. So there's a limited number of, uh, of coins of each color, though, too. So if you want to make sure that it, you get the exact coin that you want, sooner is better than later. Now, another part of this promotion for people who join at the new spiffy knight errant level is that I will announce your knighthood to the realm right here on the podcast. And we've got another one of those coming up. Uh, stay tuned to the end of the show for that one. Also, I'll tell you about a really crazy, like, deep discount sale on my book right now. It's literally never been cheaper, so if you were ever thinking about getting a book, now is absolutely the time. I'll give you more info about that after the interview as well. A couple quick news reminders. Amazon's Sidewalk is going to be opt-out by default, and it will start, I think, this week. So if you want to opt out of that, now is the time to do it, though you can opt out any time. So uh, I will definitely be covering that in next week's news show. But I'll put a link in the show notes to an article on how to turn that off if you're interested in making sure you get on top of that now. Um, I will say that I, that I was kind of frustrated. I went to look for this option on my uh, Amazon A-L-E-X-A app, and it wasn't there. And I'm like, that's that's odd. And then I realized I don't think I have any Amazon devices anymore that support Sidewalk. So my guess is that if you don't see it, then that's probably the case for you too. Because it's only supported on certain uh, of their devices like the, uh, the ringing doorbell. Um, I think one of their web outdoor webcams and the, the echo line of products. And if you don't have a recent one of those or, or the doorbell or whatever, like I don't, and my guess is it doesn't, it won't even show up in there. So if you go in there and you look for the option to turn it off and it's not even listed, my guess is that that's the reason why. And next week, I'm also going to talk about why, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I probably said that Everyone should opt out of this, uh, but I did sort of compare it to, uh, you know, Apple's Find My Mesh Network, and uh, there's some nuance to this. We're, we'll we'll get into that next week. All right, let's get back to the interview. Part two of my interview with Bennett Ciphers. Uh, one trigger warning on swear words. There's one bad word in here, and it's really not that bad. At least, <laughs> at least in my book. Uh, but yeah, just FYI, one oh, there's, there's a little cussing in here. So with that, let's get to part two of our interview with Bennett Ciphers. So there's two things that jumped out of me as we were talking about this that are crucial because it's so many, whenever you get into the weeds on some of these, you're talking all the technical stuff. And I got, I read that same white paper. And I, but at the end of it, you gotta, you gotta still look past it because there's a couple of key things that that we gotta remember. First of all, it could change, as you've been uh-huh. saying multiple times. This whole thing is just a proposal. It could change. Second, currently Google, even though they are ruling some things out, Google still knows these things or can know these yeah. things. They're just choosing yeah. uh, their own 
goodness of heart what they're going to try to not share. Second, Google still gets to decide what those categories are and how to label them. They could get them wrong. They could make a different decision that you would make. They might think something is not sensitive that you would think is sensitive. This paper presents everything in the greatest possible light, like we're trying to do the right thing, but it doesn't mean it's what's going to actually happen, either by mistake or by on purpose. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. There is, you know, this is totally Google's discretion. It's, you know, it, it, this, this, the fact that this system depends on a sort of benevolence and <laughs> right. om, omniscient uh, overseer <laughs> yes. to like weed out all the potential harms should really be a red flag right off the bat, uh, right. no matter how much you trust Google. <laughs> right, um, right. And it, you know, it's going to, like, it means that anyone else who wants to implement this in their own browser is either going to have to trust Google's system or build their own like big surveillance machine to do this kind of auditing on their own. And it also gives, you know, other browsers that might be less scrupulous a totally defensible reason to do this kind of mass surveillance, right? And like link right. up, you know, flock IDs to to real browsing history. And yeah, like you said, this doesn't stop anyone from, you know, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Like once we get into more sort of the issues with flock, I think one of the big ones is there's still so many other ways for for advertisers to coerce you into sharing raw data right. other than cookies, you know, right. like there's, there's all kinds of ways that they can do that. And this is just going to you know give them incentive to do that. Like they're going to want to figure out like, all right, who's actually in these different flock IDs. Right. All right. We need more information. How are we going to get that? Oh, browser extension. Oh, build our own browser. Oh, right. you know, like logins, like email logins, like there's all kinds of ways. Right. And so that does lead to my next question. And that is what often happens when we're trying to anonymize or de-identify data is that it's all well and good if you could manage to do it exactly in the white paper, ivory tower way that you want to do it. But then you take one, any other data set. And if you can correlate that de-anonymized or or, uh, that anonymized de-identified data with with another one, then all of a sudden you can re-identify people. (laughs) You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot of other information. And a lot of these companies have that, have that information by virtue of you creating an account with them or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but here's a particular question. So how, one thing I read is that the, your ID, your cord bin is not fixed. And just like your browsing history isn't fixed and who you are as a person isn't fixed over time. These bins change over time. How, do, how does that work? And, and if they do change over time, what's to prevent someone from recording the history of how my bin changes and then using that to identify me? You know, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, that's, and you know, if you go look at the, the flock GitHub right now is, Am I allowed to swear on this this podcast? Go ahead. It's kind of a shit show right now. Mm. Uh, it's, as it's gotten more attention, there's been all kinds of people jumping in with uh, with all the issues, and people have been pointing out all this all this stuff that you're saying. And I think we'll probably get into this later. But like one of the one of the big things that's probably going to happen is this is going to push sites into push more and more sites into having logins so mm. they can collect their own data about you. Yeah, and then usually on behalf of advertisers. And so like any site that you log into, you put your email address into to access content, they're going to, you know, they have their stable identifier for you even better than, better than a cookie. Right. And, you know, whenever you visit that site, they're going to see your flock ID. They'll be like, Oh, they're in this flock this week. That means they were interested in these things this week. Um, And they'll see how that changes over time. And the other thing that's been pointed out is like, so Third-party cookies are going away. First-party cookies are not. Um, right. So that means, you know, you visit any site, and that site can drop a site-specific cookie onto you, into your browser, and, you know, they'll see it every time you 
visit that specific site and they'll collect the information about what you do on that site. And that on its own, it's not really that scary. It's kind of, kind of makes sense. Right? right. It's like, if the analogy is like a brick and mortar store, it's like every time you walk into the same store, the shopkeeper sees you and they know who you are and they know what you do. Right. And right. right like, that's kind of fun. You get to define right. that relationship on your own terms. But if they collect your flock ID every week and they have this, you know, like months and months worth of like how your flock ID has changed, and then they go to an advertiser and say like, hey, I've got this customer and you know, like here's their flock history. That flock history is probably gonna be uniquely identifying, right? Like it's already, every right. flock only has a few thousand people in it. And like, what are the odds that right. your flock is gonna change in the exact same way as all those few thousand other people every single week? Exactly. Very, very low. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, it is It is another, <laughs> they've, they've kind of created another cross context identifier. It's going to be a little bit harder to use than cookies for sure, but it's there. And not only is it an identifier, but it carries a lot of information with it. Like that string of flocks doesn't just identify you. It also uh, gives whoever sees it a ton of context about who you are and how you've behaved. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So here's something I fundamentally do not understand about this entire proposed system. And that is you know, Google and Facebook both uh, claim up and down whenever they're pressed that we don't sell user data. No, they sell access to your data, right? That, <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole proprietary thing. That's like, mm -hmm. they collect all this data so that they can turn around and blindly sell to someone else because yeah, someone they, else doesn't have access to They don't want to sell it. your data. Yeah. Right. They wanna, <laughs> but doesn't this turn all that on its head? Like if, if, all, if this is truly a public thing and any, any server who asks for it and has permission to get it could get your flock ID, doesn't that, doesn't that give away the, the store for them? In a way, yes. I mean, that's that's a big part of their selling point to advertisers is Google keeps saying, you know, this is going to democratize access to data, access to, mm. you know, sensitive user data. Um, <laughs> but that's only true to an extent. So this comes back to like, you know, what do these flock IDs mean? Like if you see someone's flock ID, it's it's a number like you can. Yeah, right. You can test it out right now. You go see your own flock ID. It'll be like, you know, a six digit number. And it's, it doesn't mean anything on its own. It's, it's just a number. You have no idea of knowing like what sites went into that or like, mm -hmm. you know, if I had changed a particular site, how would that have changed my number? There's, you know, you don't know. You could go into the code and figure it out, I guess, if you have tons and tons of time. But even that, like even knowing which sites are used to compute particular flock IDs isn't all that useful on its own. What is really going to be useful is observing the sort of macro level trends of mm how people in these different flocks behave. And that's what that's where the value of flock is going to come from is Google is trying to design it so that, you know, people in a particular flock tend to behave the same way and tend to be interested in the same things. But to learn what those behaviors are and what those interests are, you're going to need a ton of auxiliary data about how people in mm. those flocks tend to behave. And, you know, Google is going to have it. Google is going to be better positioned than anyone else in the world to say like, all right, you know, these people in this flock, where are they going? What are they doing? You know, what times are they doing it? What time zones? What languages? What? Sure. All the, all these other things, like what do they buy? What ads do they click on? Google's going to have, going to be best positioned in the world to collect that data. You know, Facebook's going to be second best positioned in the world to collect that data. And it's, it's going to be totally dependent on like how big, you know, how big your existing sort of observation network is, is going to correlate directly with, you know, how much value you can get out of flock. Right. And we, and this is a whole other subject, but the, then you could think about, well, 
you know, the NSA and the CIA. You could probably can collect even more than that. And you know, that that's a whole other rabbit hole. We'll, we'll skip for this one. We'll bring you back for that one. Um, so you, you said right now I could go look at my flock ID. How, how might I do that? And if I did get my flock ID, is there any way to decode that? Like, is there any way for me to take that ID and, and through a Google API or something and kind of get information about what that idea says about me? So right now, the Chrome is running what's called an origin trial with flock, which means a small sample of the Chrome population has flock enabled, but there's it's not obvious at all whether you're in that sample and there's right. no way to force yourself into or out of mm, that sample. Okay. Well, if you're in that sample, you can turn off third party cookies and that will disable flock. But okay. um, <laughs> that's the way it works for now. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. so, uh, and they, they announced a couple of weeks ago that it was gonna be 0.5% of Chrome users w- would be part of the trial to start with. So, so we put together a website called amiflocked.org, <laughs> which uh, you can go visit, and uh, it'll it'll try and figure out whether you are part of the sample or not. But then I've also seen some chatter on Google mailing lists, like just in the past couple of days, that seems to indicate that they might not have even rolled it out to Chrome Stable yet. Like it's it might only be in mm. beta and Canary. Anyway, if if you want to test it out, you can uh, you can run Chrome with some command line flags. And it will, you know, start up a version of Chrome that does have Flock enabled. Hmm. So yeah, you you can try it out if you want to, but most people aren't in the trial right now. It's also only affects certain countries, I think. By the way, they totally did not think that name through because I've seen so many takeoffs on, you know, am I flocked or or, or <laughs> Flock no or yeah, anyway. So that's a marketing mistake that I'm sure they will it, fix. It, 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 yeah, definitely. but but um, also federated learning of cohorts currently contains neither federated. <laughs> neither federation nor learning <laughs> yeah yeah minor, minor considerations when you're coming up with an acronym a cool acronym uh mm-hmm. okay so uh what i didn't hear you say is if i can get my id is there any way for me to decode that id can i can i get yeah. can i glean any information if, if i can get my id no <laughs> okay no that's the short answer all right Going forward, when this thing is finally implemented, at least the way they're currently talking about it, does flock require consent or assistance from the websites that i visit I mean, so it's but so far we've only talked about this this behavior, this algorithm stuff being baked into the browser. What participation is required by the sites I visit for them to work with Flock? Right now, nothing. So, again, for the trial subject to change, if Chrome has this like ad detection software built in, they don't block ads, but they'll detect them. If any site you visit loads ads or ad related code, quote unquote, I'm not really sure what that means, then it will be included in the flock calculation. The sites can opt out okay. by sending a HTTP header called uh, permissions policy interest cohort equals none or something like that. But it's it's opt out for websites, not opt in. Okay, so they so they don't, they don't have to do anything to participate. By automatically, they will be participating if they do nothing. But if they wanted to, for some reason, if they were, let's say, it's Pornhub or or some site that just explicitly says, you know what, I don't I don't trust you. I I, I don't want to be part of this. They can at least signal, and of course, it could be ignored. But they they mm-hmm. could at least signal to Google that they do not want to participate in this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and Chrome will honor that. You know, this is another thing that's going to be implementation dependent. So you know, if another browser right. adopts this, they might not respect the same signals or respect any signals at all. But uh, yeah, that's how it works. So what does this mean for the broader industry? I mean, so there's, as you said, there's this already this massive industry built up around this third-party cookie technologies and, and similar technologies. 
and you know people have blamed Apple for the same thing, where they they come up with these really cool techniques for stopping these things, but conveniently what that means is it helps them in some indirect way. What mm-hmm. what happens to data miners now that are and there's not many companies that are advertising other than Google and Facebook, but I mean there are some, and there are other companies that benefit from this system as well. Is their life over at this point when Flock becomes a reality? Oh, they're upset. They're upset for sure. But I, I think the intention of Flock in part is not to kill off, you know, Google's sort of small batch of competitors in this this advertising space. I think Google sees this as a lifeline to that industry mm. because, you know, there is still going to be behavioral targeting to do and there is still going to be data collection is still going to be valuable in a world with Flock. In fact, it's going to be necessary if you want to make good use of Flock. So, you know, a lot of these companies, if Flock does become the new norm, can probably shift their existing infrastructure over to like, you know, figuring out which Flocks they want to target. Okay. When Google made their announcement, they made an announcement on March 3rd that like they're going to kind of go all in on Flock and related tech and they're not going to support third party identifiers anymore. And a whole bunch of ad tech stocks kind of plummeted. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're not, they're upset about it for sure. So what about what about as a user? It, it, it sounds like will it be possible? And I'm sure that you and you know perhaps DuckDuckGo and some others, uh, maybe Black Origin, will be certainly looking at this. Is there a is there a way for me as a user, regardless, or maybe not regardless of what browser I'm using, but by by browser choice or by installing an extension for me to defeat Flock, even if Google doesn't want me to defeat Flock. You know, currently, they're giving you a way to defeat it by turning off third-party cookies, which, of course, they could disable at any time or just mm-hmm. ignore, or some other browser could come along and not make that choice. Is there a mm-hmm. way to block this technology in a verifiable way as a user by choosing the right browser or by uh, using a plugin? Yeah, use a browser that's not Chrome. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest yeah, way sure. right now. But yeah, you can the plugin DuckDuckGo has a plugin that will right now block Flock. We're, we're working on getting that into F- Privacy Badger as well. So okay, cool. Maybe by the time this airs, Privacy Badger will uh, will also block Flock out of the box. Yeah. So so luckily, there's a pretty robust extension you know, ecosystem on Chrome right now, and they can control things. You know, there's no like switch to turn Flock off right now. Um, Google has said there will be in the future, but you can if you're in a, if you have an extension, the extension can go in and like just modify how JavaScript on a page works, and you know therefore block access to Flock. Okay. All right. Um, so just stepping back for a minute, I mean, obviously Google, and just plain devil's advocate here, Google appears to be trying to do the right thing in some, at least what it believes to be the right thing. It's trying to find a, the happy medium between doing what it believes are, uh, are more valuable ads to both the people that want to advertise and the people who look at ads and still preserve privacy. I mean, on some level, this is, you know, I guess we should applaud them for at least trying to do this. And yet I, I, EFF's position is certainly seems to be that this is a bad thing. How, how do you reconcile that? I mean, let's take them at their word. Let's, let's assume they're trying to do the right thing. And this, the, what they're trying to pull off will somehow work. Why is this bad? So I don't, th- yeah, I really don't think flock is the most evil thing out there. <laughs> I, like, I don't think it's you Ring, know. a ringing endorsement. I, no, it's not I, the most I people think. Thing I don't think the people who made it are you know ill intentioned. I think they are really trying to do the right thing. I think it's just 
it comes down to a fundamental disagreement. The people at Google think targeted ads are the only way to make the web work. And so they need to save targeted ads at all costs. And so that's their framing. They're looking at it like, all right, we need behavioral targeting. People want privacy. Let's see how much privacy we can give them as long as we keep enabling behavioral targeting. And, you know, we at EFF just reject that premise. We don't think mm. you need behavioral targeting. You know, we think there are a lot of other harms that come along with behavioral targeting beyond the sort of uh, peeping Tom theory of privacy. There's a great article in Wired about that a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. Um, just like, you know, this framing that like the only evil part of ad tech right now is that like unknown third parties are collecting your browsing history. Like, yes, that is a big bad part of ad tech, but there are other things that are bad about it as well. And most of them have to do with behavioral targeting. And those other things that are bad are not going to be fixed by flock. And even the, the sort of peeping Tom part of it isn't going to be totally fixed mm -hmm. by flock. Um, so it's like, you know, it's, it's a half measure and it's a half measure that they don't have to take. Like they don't, you know, Firefox, Safari, Brave, all these other browsers are, well, Brave is a little bit complicated, but right, Firefox yeah, is right, right. They, they killed off third party cookies and they didn't replace them with anything because that's what users want. You know, like no user is saying like, oh, I need a browser that's going to let me see my behaviorally targeted ads. No, no one wants that. Advertisers <sighs> want that. Right. And so it's, you know, it's just a clear sign that Google is putting the interests of advertisers before the interests of users. They, they are considering the interests of users and they're trying to do what they can. But like it's within this context of we must protect ads at all costs. Well, and, I, and that was the other assumption I didn't get to at the beginning. I said there were two assumptions all this stuff was based on that, that I think we needed to challenge. And the other one of those two was that users are okay with this or users even want this. And and I think it's quite obvious when the rollout of, and by the time this airs, it will have happened, but the uh, the rollout of iOS 14.5 with the new tracking transparency thing or TTP, whatever Apple's thing is, the collective freakout that happened when Apple had the audacity to say that, you know, we're going to bring it up front and center and let the user know, hey, this mm -hmm. app wants to track you and give them a choice, yes or no. And mm -hmm. Facebook in particular, but several others just wigged out because it's like, whoa, no, yeah. no, you're not supposed to ask them. They'll never say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yet that's, again, this is all premised on this. What, you know? No, yeah, you're, you're totally right. It's the whole industry has always depended on users' lack of knowledge and on <laughs> right. either a total lack of consent or extremely dishonest framings designed yes. to manufacture consent. Dark patterns, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so once you take that away, the whole system does fall apart. You know, I'm sure there are people who legitimately prefer targeted ads, but they are a minority. And we just think the default should be you have to opt in in a way that is meaningful right. to, to this kind of thing. It shouldn't be, you know, built into your browser and couched in language that you don't understand and you know, all this other stuff. So, or all the, all the euphemisms, like, you know, would you like to have an enhanced experience? Would you like to right. have a customized experience? Right. And you mentioned this actually early and I'm coming back to this too. And, and, and that's privacy regulations where we don't really have any federal level stuff at the U S um, we're starting to get some state level stuff. And there's now maybe rumors in this administration of doing something federal, but in the EU, you specifically called out early in this interview that, that in the EU, they're not doing this trial. Is that because it doesn't stand up to GDPR? How does, how does, how does GDPR affect Flock? I mean, does it even allow it? And then where are we in the U.S. with, you know, maybe coming up with our own GDPR that might render all this pointless anyway? Yeah. So Google has not commented one way or another on the GDPR. There's a lot of speculation that like, oh, yeah, they they didn't run this trial and 
uh, in the EU because of that. Mm-hmm. Google has sort of denied that, but I, I think that's probably true. I think their lawyers are probably still figuring it out. <laughs> so one thing about the trial is Flock is premised on third-party cookies not existing. And during the trial, third-party cookies still exist. So anyone who gets your Flock is going to also have access to cookies, and it's only going to enhance their ability to track you. So I think in that sense, yeah, it's if you if Google did start sharing Flock IDs alongside cookies in the EU, that would be a new a new unprompted sharing of personal information that would, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, but it seems like that (laughs) very least goes against the spirit of the GDPR, if not the letter of the law. Yeah, the thing is, like, if Flock gets deployed in the way that it's proposed to be deployed, I'm less certain that it would be illegal under stuff like GDPR, because, you know, the whole, I think Flock in large part is a response to GDPR Mm. and similar laws, because that's why cookies are going away like that's what i think that's the biggest reason google is killing off cookies because you know they're already kind of going away because we've seen you know more and more kind of aggressive court decisions around gdpr that are saying like no you can't use this dark pattern to get people to quote unquote opt in no you can't use browser fingerprinting to like track people without cookies like all these things should be illegal under gdpr the way that it's written and so i think advertisers are kind of in general trying to hedge against GDPR and come up with ways to keep doing more of the same within the bounds of that law. And I think Flock is is part of that effort. So, yeah, I'm not sure that GDPR or something like it in the U.S. would would stop this in its tracks, because I think Google is designing these technologies so that if they have to convince a court that it's not, you know, this stuff isn't personally identifiable or like it's it doesn't constitute tracking, then they'll have a pretty good argument. Well, this goes right back to the thing you talked about before. This is not the first time we've seen this the show before. But it's exactly like the the pop up browsing and the and the DAA thing you talked about before, where you know these things start to come to a head. Uh, the the big companies with lots of lobbyists and deep pockets who depend upon the ecosystem see the writing on the wall and see that the mm-hmm. legislation is coming, and so they get ahead of it. And they basically write the law in, in one mm-hmm. way or another, or they come up with the system that fixes the problem the way they want it fixed. And not the way that the government would have done it, which would have royally screwed them. Right. Yep. No, I think that's exactly, I think you're exactly right. That's that's a great way to look at this. Is like, yeah, because we don't have a law in the U.S. right now. And if Google can convince lawmakers that Flock is the solution long enough to get a law written that writes around Flock, then, you know, <laughs> that's, right. that's a huge win for them. Like, all they have to do is be like, oh, no, this is great. This is great. Laws <sighs> passed. Okay. Specifically exempts Flock and, and its ilk. Right. And then five years later, everyone's upset again because they realize what's actually going on anyway. <laughs> right. Well, and, and here's the other thing that often happens here too, that, and, and I'm not sure where to come down on this either, but what often happens as well when things like this happen is, okay, well, if you, if, if you outlaw the thing that's everyone knows about, that's kind of transparent. Um, and, and this argument is often made with things like encryption and signal and whatever, but you're driving, now you're driving all the bad guys to do stuff that we can't track. Now, now they're mm-hmm. going to come up with something even worse that we can't stop or, and can't track. And actually there have been some other proposals, unified ID or something, some other weird things that have, that, that have been and other types of fingerprinting. What, what do you think about that? What, how likely is that, you know, if, if Google's going to finally kill off the third party cookie, and they'll propose flock, but it's not good enough for other people. So they're going to come up with something even worse. Yeah. You know, I think mostly that's a load of crap hmm. um, because there's stuff that Google can control and there's stuff that Google can't control. And things it can control 
or at least try to, are you know fingerprinting, right? And it's it's already come out with a big plan to to stop fingerprinting. But that's something Google has said for years. Before they decided they were going to block cookies, they were they had a series of blog posts on the Chrome blog that were like, here's why we don't block cookies. And reason number one was like, oh well, cookies are a user friendly technology that you know gives users control. But if we take it away, then everyone will just start fingerprinting you. Right. It's like you know. You can control that. Like Safari has gone <laughs> way out. Like they've put tons and tons of resources into stopping fingerprinting. And as a result, it's much harder to fingerprint Safari users. I mean, sometimes you can, but it's it's not an insurmountable task, especially with the resources that Google has. Right. And furthermore, you know, fingerprinting is gonna be exhibit A in things that will soon be illegal in the United States, at least hopefully. Like fingerprinting is the most obviously anti-user, right. anti-consent. Like there's no pretense there. Like it is only a <laughs> a toxic adversarial technology. And right. so it's, I think fingerprinting is going to be the easiest thing to regulate out of existence. And, you know, there'll be some like malware-ish sites that do that kind of thing, but you're never going to stop everyone. You just like, our goal is to stop the 95% of tracking that drives this billion dollar above the fold industry. You know, we're, we're, you're never going to be able to stop tracking altogether, but we want to relegate it to the realm of, you know, malware and right. antivirus stuff. And so, yeah, that's that's the one argument. The thing that is more concerning to me is the UID2 stuff, like you said. But from Google's perspective, the reason that it scares Google is because they can't control it. Like, so so a little bit of context for, for the listener is that UID2 stands for Unified Identifier 2.0. It's this proposal by um, an ad tech company called The Trade Desk. It's, it's also, you know, proposed as like a universal standard that anyone can adopt. Basically, what it is, is just like a framework for publishers sharing email addresses with advertisers. So like, you know, this is another reading the writing on the wall kind of a thing where yeah. advertisers are like, All right, yeah, we're going to lose cookies one way or another, but we want to keep building profiles of people. Well, there's been a lot of momentum in the past few years towards like re sites requiring you to log right. in to oh, yeah. access content. And so ad tech is just going like, hmm, people's email addresses don't change very often. Right. Let's just have all the publishers share their emails with us and mm. we'll make that a prerequisite of us serving the most valuable ads on their sites. Mm. And yeah, I really hate UID. I think UID2 is evil. <laughs> I think that is, you know, there's, I, this is an anti-user technology because it's, they want to reframe the value proposition on the web so that you know, you can only access content if you willingly give up your email address or your phone number or something else that's going to allow you to allow advertisers to like persistently track you not only across the web, but across all your devices and into the physical world as well. So that's, you know, that's bad. Right. I, I don't want that to succeed, but I think that is the kind of thing that's going to be easier to regulate, especially if you have someone like Google lobbying on your side and Google has said they don't like this. They, they don't want mm -hmm. this to exist, which is great. But also, you know, like I said, Google can't control that. Like the browser is not going to be able to say like, no, you can't enter your email address onto right, the site. Right. And so all Google can do is, you know, not create new identifiers in the browser, try and stop fingerprinting, both of which they should do. Yeah. But UID2 is going to exist whether they like it or not. And so Google is proposing these two things, like they're, they're pitching Flock as like an alternative. They're like, oh, you don't want this like scary new ad tech proposal, so mm -hmm. use Flock instead. But these things are just going to complement each other. Like, right. if, if you're a site that, you know, wants to serve the most valuable ads and UID2 is a thing, 
you're going to sign up for UID too if you can convince your users to sign in. Um, then you're going to share their email addresses with AdTech. Right. And then if you have access to their flock IDs as well, that's just another data point that can go into the ad tech profiles. And it's like, there's there's no reason for advertisers or publishers to choose one or the other when they can have both. All right. So as we wrap up, let me, uh, let me put you on the spot. So sure. it's really easy, uh, you know, sometimes people might argue that it's easy to sit back and say, no, that's bad. No, that's bad. Do something else. I don't like that. So what is the answer there? What, what is, is there, a, specifically, is there a way maybe that EFF could see that you could maybe tweak flock to make it acceptable to the EFF and what they think it's safe for, or is basically EFF's position, all tracking is bad, get rid of all of it, just don't do it anymore like we you know did back before we had it, and that's what we want. Is What is the solution, I guess, is it, from the EFF? What, what what would work? What is there a compromise here? Is there a, is there a, a way that you could make this work that EFF could stomach and, and get behind? Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to be <laughs> reductionist, but like, yeah, I... <laughs> I think tracking is bad. That's that's. Uh, I I don't think I am not convinced that the web needs behavioral ads or that any part of the free internet needs behavioral ads. Ads, sure, I'm fine with ads. Ads have existed forever. Right, right. You know, free newspapers started right. existing because of ads. I just think that I would love to see a world where you can't target ads based on who someone is. You can only target ads based on what they're looking at at a specific time. I think you could do some really cool targeting technology around that that is way less creepy and has way less of the issues right. um, that are associated with behavioral ads. So, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but that is the world that I would like to see through some combination of regulation and, you know, technical development and deprecation of these old tracking tech standards. Yeah, that's what I want. And I think that will mean less money flowing into the internet as a whole. Hmm. But I think the vast majority of that, the, the money that's lost is going to come from ad tech. And hmm. I don't think that industry needs to exist. Right. <laughs> I just, right. I just, don't, I don't think it's imperative for our economy that, you know, all these dozens of companies spend all day profiling you and trying to figure out uh, how to get you to click on crappy ads. So, Right. Well, and you know, and I, and I think that what I hope anyway, and that's why I think it's going to require regulation for this to work, because it's got to be a level playing field. And if you tell everybody that they've got to play by these rules, then all of a sudden everyone's on the same footing and they can all say, okay, well, I would have liked to have done this, but not only can't I do it, but no one else can either. So let's come up with a solution that works and we'll go back to something else. And and I think you're right. I think the part that will be excised from the market when that happens is the, the particular part that had to do with you know, distilling you know, my, you know, making inferences based on who I am or what I want from all this data as opposed to just saying, well, he searched on Nike. So let me show him Adidas, you know, yep. in this, in this one instance. So I, yeah. All right. Last yeah. question. Where, where do we go from here? Where do you, where do you actually see things happening from here? Do you, do you think we're going to get federal regulation? Do you think Flock's going to make it? Do you think something else is going to take its place? What, what's, what's your uh, crystal ball say for the next uh, few years in this area? <laughs> oh man, I'm going to, this is going to be dead wrong on all counts, but I'll hold you to it. I'll bring it back three years from now and I'll say, see, he was wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm optimistic on being able to shut down Flock because there's been so much uh, kind of backlash across the ecosystem um, with, you know, like all of the, you see all these different browsers coming out saying we're not going to support it. We're not going to support it. Like, I think that's our best shot against stopping some of Google's bad new ideas is just getting their competitors and getting publishers and getting users upset about it because Google is sensitive to that kind of a thing. Mm. 
Federal regulation, oh gosh, I was really optimistic two years ago. Hmm. I'm less optimistic now. I still think it's possible, but it's, you know, it's it's just, it's so hard to get stuff done and there's so much lobbying money from from the industries that stand to lose. No, I'm, 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 I actually, I'm optimistic. I think, you know, I think long-term, like there, there've been some, some setbacks recently, but like more and more lawmakers are kind of realizing that this is a popular issue. And it is, it's an extremely popular issue. You know, like every survey across all demographics and political boundaries shows that people hate being spied on yeah. by, by right. companies. And so I think maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but I think eventually, you know, that energy has to find a release somewhere. And I think someone is going to pick the right moment to introduce the right bill and we can get something done. But for now, the, the more exciting stuff is happening in the States for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and if we get a good enough kind of patchwork of state laws across the country, that is going to pressure companies to just, it's going to be too hard for them to design a different service for every one of 50 states. So they're going to end up 10 trending towards whatever the most privacy protective standard is and just designing around that. We're already seeing that with California where like, you know, tons of companies only have to comply with the CCPA, the new privacy law in California for people in California, but they end up complying with it for everyone right. because it's like just too much effort to figure out like, Oh, where does this person live? Right. So, all right. So I lied. One more question. If, if people are want to get involved in this, if they want to try to drive this discussion, if they want to bring about the, 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 the end that, that they prefer here, what, what do you think is the most effective way on this issue for them to get involved? Is it elect the right people? Is it go to the town, local, your local town halls and, and fight local? What do you, what do you think is the best, most effective way for people to drive the change that they want to see in this area? Oh man, that's a good question. I'm not qualified to answer. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I think local politicians are a good place to start, and especially like state level politicians, like just, you know, you don't have to be like out protesting every day, but just, you know, send emails, make calls like that. Make it clear that this these issues matter yeah. to you. And yeah, and, and where you can make make choices, make consumer choices that that indicate those preferences, like, you know, use use a tracker blocker or use a different browser that's yeah. not from one of the big ad companies. And yeah, like try and support companies that do choose to do the ethical thing. Yeah. And in, in big numbers, it makes a difference. You know, it's not, I hate when privacy is framed as a personal responsibility thing. Hmm. Like I've said this last time too, where it's like, Oh, if you didn't want to be tracked, you just had to use Tor all the time. Like, no, <laughs> it's super inconvenient. Like you're never going to be able to learn about all this crap and be able to stop all of it. And you shouldn't. It's it's too much time and effort. Right. But you know, when there is an easy choice in front of you, I guess yeah, you can try and make the the choice that's going to support the companies that treat you with respect. Well, Bennett, this was a wonderful conversation, and that's exactly what I wanted to get into. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, elucidating the, the this particular issue for us. Thank you so much, Carrie. This is likewise on all counts. Love talking to you. Thanks. I want to thank Bennett for coming back on the show and talking to us about Flock. I've been wanting to talk about it for some time now, uh, and so really, really glad to finally get him on the show and take a deep dive on what it's all about and what you can do about it and what they're trying to do. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'll give them some credit for trying to find uh, some sort of a happy medium, but again, it all presupposes that people want this, and 
And I was just reading an article about this and it made a really good point. And it's, you know, if you ask people, would you like more relevant ads? And, you know, most people will say, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, if the two choices are give, show me irrelevant ads or show me relevant ads. Well, yeah, if I got to watch ads and I want relevant ads. But if you ask them, would you be willing to give up all this information and have, you know, X, Y, and Z tracked about you over time and shared with others in order to get relevant ads? The answer is no, it's just not worth it. And there's other ways to have relevant ads. You don't have to track people in order to show relevant ads. DuckDuckGo, their whole business model is based on this. And frankly, everyone's business model was based on this before we had web tracking. You find demographic trends and, you know, magazines, TV shows, movie placement, websites, of course, there are certain types of people that are, you assume are going to be attracted to certain types of content. And based on that information, you show ads there and it's contextual. So if I'm on a NFL football site, you know, then that probably says something about my demographics. If I'm on a Pinterest site that is for home redecorating, that may say something about my demographics. And so, you know, if I'm looking at a list of cool things to decorate my house with, well then, yeah, show me some ads about some cool things that I might want to decorate my house with. But when I go from that site to an NFL football site, and I'm still seeing ads for things I might want to decorate my house with, that's where things just get creepy and weird. And it's just frankly not necessary. So the other thing I really want to bring up, and this is crucial, is that we need to support products and services that respect your privacy. And not just because it's good for you right now, it's good for all of us collectively. And it demonstrates that there is a market for privacy, that people are willing to go out of their way to not be tracked, to favor products and services that guarantee their privacy. And perhaps even though you shouldn't have to, perhaps even spend money uh, to make that happen. So not only should you avoid products that are really bad about privacy, you should seek out products and services that are privacy friendly. You should you know, go to the extra effort to make the settings in your browsers and your apps and your operating systems to protect your privacy. Don't accept the defaults. Seek out and make the changes that will protect your privacy. In Facebook, in Twitter, in Google, at all these places, you know, all these things are signals and all these things will show that you care about privacy. And the big one, honestly, right now, I'd say one of the biggest things that we could all do to help your privacy and all of our privacy is just stop using Google Chrome. Firefox is just as good a browser, um, if not better. Google Chrome is very popular. I get it, but there's, there's really no reason to use it over Firefox. Firefox actually just came out with a really nice new look and feel. Uh, so it looks much more modern. They're also constantly implementing new privacy and security features, some of which we're going to talk about next week on the new show. And here's the other reason to use Firefox. We need competition. And Firefox, honestly, is not doing well. I mean, if you... Chrome has something like 65 or 67% of the browser market. And Firefox, well, at one point it was maybe around the 10% range, is into the low single digits now. Uh, they've already had some layoffs last year. And sadly, <laughs> they're actually ironically dependent on Google for a, a large portion of their revenue because... This is one of the trade-offs they've had to make to stay in business is the default search engine on Firefox is Google. Now, you should absolutely change that as soon as you install Firefox. You should make it DuckDuckGo. But 
Google pays them to be their default search engine. Uh, by the way, Apple too. The default search engine on Safari, I believe, is still Google for the same reason. So the best way to support Firefox and to ensure that we have privacy-respecting competition is just to use it and help other people to make the switch as well. Now, if you want to go a step further, you can also donate to the Mozilla Foundation. You can make a one-time uh, donation or you can make an ongoing donation. I've actually started donating 10 bucks a month to, to Mozilla because I want to support what they're doing. And I would be really, really sad and, uh, if we suddenly were in a world where they no longer existed. So stop using Chrome, start using Firefox, uh, make sure you've got the privacy settings on Firefox set to strict. And I would also install uBlock Origin and Privacy Badger. And finally, make DuckDuckGo your default search engine. Do those few things and you will be going a long way toward guarding your privacy. And then again, spread the word, help other people do it too. We've really got to get people shifting over uh, to Firefox or at least away from Chrome. All right, a couple quick notes. Um, I think I mentioned last week that I'm starting to, to do some webinars, some public speaking. And now that we're all used to doing Zoom, uh, I can do them remotely and I can do them anywhere on the planet. So uh, I've actually created a speaker request form. If you are interested, if you've got a group that would like to have me come talk about cybersecurity and or privacy, uh, just go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash firewalls dash speaker. That's capital F and capital S in firewalls dash speaker. And uh, if you are interested in having me speak to your group, I would love to do it. Uh, just submit the form and we'll take it from there. So as promised, uh, I've got several new nights of my roundtable, and this week I'm going to announce the next one. Trumpets, please. This week I'm happy to announce Hal Lewis from upstate New York as the latest knight of the roundtable, a knight errant on Patreon. Thank you so much for your support, and welcome to the roundtable. I've got more to announce, uh, and some of these folks are going to be giving me taglines. You're going to be hearing their voices right here on the podcast introducing the show. So yet another fun reason to become uh, a patron. Check that out at patreon.com. Okay, the uh, the challenge coin, the D20 challenge coin uh, that I came out with is still available to new patrons. Uh, if you go to patreon.com, uh, look for Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Of course, this is a link in the show notes as well. And if you want the full details, I've got a blog article on it that's probably, uh, you could go read. I'm not going to go through all of it now, but it's super cool. There's, again, there's only 100 of these on the entire planet. They're very collectible, uh, and they will help you be more secure to boot. It's a real win-win-win. Now, regardless of whether or not you get the coin, you can actually generate passphrases. I created a whole website for this. It's kind of fun, called d20key.com, the letter d20key.com. Uh, I've got some virtual dice there that you can roll to create uh, some really cool, secure passphrases. But, you know, hey, it's a lot more fun if you have the coin, right? So anyway, check that out. Share that up with your friends. Uh, I would very, very much appreciate that. Now, the big book sale. This this is crazy. So a couple things kind of perfect storm came together to make this happen, and it's a benefit to you. Let me start with the fact that my book, for some reason, it was, I think it originally was priced by A-Press, and by the way, I don't have a say in this. This is something that A-Press does, my publisher. Um, I think they had priced the um, the paperback, the physical copy of the book at 45 bucks, and the digital version, I think was 30 or 35 bucks for the ebook. That's the base price, and then of course, Amazon often has it on sale. But, uh, you know, for some inexplicable reason, it bumped up to 55 bucks for the, for the paper book. I mean, almost we're talking like textbook range now. And I 
you know, talk to my editor at A-Press and say, hey, what's going on? You know, can we fix this? And so it took a little while, but uh, she was finally able to get that adjusted. And not only is it lower, but it's lower than it was before. So the paperback is now 35 bucks, and I think the ebook is 25 bucks. Uh, and of course, Amazon will probably have sales off of that. But here's the kicker. Also, right now, until June 23rd, A-Press is having a summer sale offering 55% off everything, including my book. So right now, until January 23rd, with the coupon SUMMER2021, if you use that coupon code, you can get the paperback for $15.75 or the ebook for $11.25. I mean, that's, that is, I, I'm sure, the cheapest it has ever been. So, you know, hey, they make great, <laughs> they make great gifts. You know, Christmas isn't that far away. Or, you know, any occasion, we all need cybersecurity and privacy. So uh, now, anyway, if you were ever considering buying the book, or if maybe if you've got an older version of the book and you wanted to upgrade uh, to the fourth edition, the latest version, now is the time to do it. Again, just go to apress.com. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. But if you just go to apress.com, like the letter A, A-P-R-E-S-S.com, and search on Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons, uh, you'll find my book there. And make sure you use the code uh, SUMMER2021. Now, of course, all the rest of their books are on sale too. So that's, you know, if there's other books you want to buy, then by all means do that as well. And again, literally, I'm pretty sure that this edition of the book has never been cheaper, probably even on Amazon, which sometimes runs, you know, crazy percentages. This is a great, great deal. All right, that is going to do it. Uh, we got, again, another big news show for you next week. Lots of great interviews coming up in the pipeline, some really interesting cybersecurity stuff, uh, unlike any other interviews I've had in the, in, the, in the past. So if you have not already, definitely subscribe to the podcast. Uh, also would love, 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 love to get some more reviews on the podcast or the book, either one. Uh, Amazon and iTunes are the best place to leave those reviews. That's where most people see them, but obviously I will take them wherever you care to leave them. However, if I do see some on iTunes or Amazon, which I do monitor, I will definitely be reading those on the air. The Challenge Coin is going to be around for another few weeks. Get them while they're hot. Get them while you can. Go to patreon.com. There's links, of course, in the show notes. If you ever wanted to get the book now, it's the best chance to do it. Go to apress.com and use code SUMMER2021. And still looking for support patrons on Patreon. And I'm having, I'm having a great time uh, interacting with everybody on Discord. Uh, it's a lot of fun being able to you know, interact directly with my fans. So love to see you there. And go out and have a great summer. As long as you're all vaxxed up, you can go out and even take those masks off and get back to a normal life. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time going out and socializing again. I got trips planned and stuff to do with people. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So if for some reason you haven't gotten that shot yet, uh, go get your shots, help and encourage other people to get their shots as well. And let's put this whole pandemic behind us. I hope you're having a great summer, everybody. Take care, stay safe. And until next week, as always, everybody, don't get caught with your drawbridge down.